Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 62, Fuduntu. Fuduntu? Fuduntu. 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 We'll discuss that in a moment. <laughs> Recorded August 18th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. We're back after an extended break, much longer than it was supposed to be. But uh, we're back. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to me to the show. The show went on without me for the most part, uh, but uh, I I wasn't here. So uh, hello, everyone. Hi, Chris. Hi, Seth. Uh, the the guys who've been keeping the uh, the home fires burning while I've been away is Mr. Chris Neves, the command line godfather, and Mr. Seth Anderson, the gooey kid. Hey, guys. Hey, hey Mark. Back. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome to be back. <laughs> it's about time slacker yeah well it it takes a lot to move more than i you know when i first moved uh of course i stayed with aaron for a while uh and we did a podcast from his house and uh that was you know i brought a trailer full of stuff didn't have much i moved into his spare bedroom and set up the studio and was ready to go Uh, it was a very different experience moving an entire house full of stuff and then trying to set it up and trying to refine everything and get the whole full studio back. So that took a while. Uh, we've been, I've been gone like two months exactly. June, I think, 18th, somewhere 16th, somewhere around there, was when I left uh, my home in Texas. And it's now August 19th. So right at two months that, uh, that I've been away. I think I did a couple of podcasts in between there, but... I'm uh, looking forward to doing every doing all six shows this week and jumping right back into the fray. Yeah, because you didn't just move. You changed jobs and even to a little bit, you changed careers as well. So, yeah, or you not, changed careers and, or whatever. But anyway, lots of changes. Yeah, it wasn't just a different job. It was an entirely different line of work. Uh, so now I'm no longer a hardware guy. I'm no longer in education. I'm now a software uh, tech uh, in the healthcare industry. So I, uh, particularly, specifically with clinics and doctors, uh, not, not so much hospitals, uh, I work for a hospital system, but my job will be interfacing with, uh, uh, standalone clinics. So I think in two weeks, I'm going to be, uh, spending two weeks on site in a doctor's office. So it's, it's an entirely new world for me. Yeah, cool. but I think you'll fit in right in there, Mark. I, I hope so. At least you know. let's hope. <laughs> Um, so what have you guys been doing while I've been away? Well, I know personally, I've been enjoying the fruits of being my own boss to the extent that it's almost the point where I can leave my daytime job. Um, it's getting pretty crazy for me as, uh, the reboot it tech, but, uh, it's kind of nice. It's, it's great fun, except for the 10, 30, 11 midnight phone call saying, Oh my God, we're down. Come fix us. Those I could do without. But then you get to write, Oh my God, this is a huge bill I'm sending you. <laughs> so right. it kind of evens out, right? Oh yeah. Well, no, you see a lot of times those, those emergency calls, I say there better be a check waiting for me when I'm done. Yeah. So these right? aren't, these aren't retainer clients. No, these are the, the call in ones. They're, uh, I'm trying to sell them in on the, uh, the maintenance contracts, but so far they're, they're not, very appreciative to the price so they'll just have to keep paying my overtime fees 
Yeah, it doesn't take long. I found that when I was doing that. Um, after a while of paying your uh, regular rates and even emergency rates, that uh, retainer starts to look like a pretty good deal. Yep. Now, I have one client that pays the retainer as for a whole year, and then everyone else just pays it as they need me. And there's been a couple of them that go, how much was that retainer fee again? <laughs> so, let's let's it, talk. It, <laughs> it's kind of fun, but you know, there's times where it's like, oh, I got so much work to do and not enough hours in the day. So, I actually ran into that when I ran my own business. Uh, I got to that point where uh, it was more than I could do uh, individually, uh, but it wasn't uh, making enough money for me to hire anybody. So I, I hit that that small business standoff that everybody does. And uh, that's when I uh, ended up getting the job at the school district that I was with for 15 years. So that problem was solved in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when I can bring their computers back to my house because then I can be working on three of them at once rather than just standing around their place while I'm waiting for the scan to run. You know, I can I can be watching TV while three scans are running. And it's so. not good from a customer's uh, relationships uh, standpoint for them to see you standing around too. Right. Because they think, you're billing me how much an hour to do this? Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's like, yeah, no, I'm billing you because I know to do this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anybody yeah. can do it. You just have to know when to do it. So, And to have the proper tools to do it. Uh, the next one I'm doing is a, another rewire of the building, as well as upgrading a lot of the parts inside of it. So the net, all new switches and access points and routers and yeah, it's going to be a. Uh, I'm I'm guessing it'll probably be about fifteen to twenty hours to get the whole thing done. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, just this weekend I ran into that situation. I was sitting at my new studio and I was going to run uh, copper down here because for the most part Skype doesn't like wireless and I try to avoid uh, doing it on wireless. But uh, so in the past I would have had access to you know a couple hundred feet of scrap coax a uh, cat5 cable laying around certainly i had the crimpers and the ends and and all that sort of stuff just in the back of my truck but that all belonged to my employer so i i was getting ready to do this and i was like crap i literally have nothing i'm i'm just a regular guy now i i'm not a tech anymore <laughs> i don't have these tools uh so i thought well okay i'll just i'll go to home depot and i'll get what i need well, you know, the smallest uh, box of cable they sell is 500 feet. I don't need that. I need 50 feet. And then I'd have to yep. buy my own crimpers at like 50 bucks a shot and then have to buy the clips, and those, those aren't too bad. Uh, but it was like, I could either do this whole thing here um, for this one job, spend $600, or I can go online and see if I can order an extra long Ethernet cable. So uh, which one do you think... Um, <laughs> so Aaron and former fat guy jumps in the chat room. He says, I've got crimpers and ends. <laughs> so there we go. Just bring those to work tomorrow, Aaron. That'll be great. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, see, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be buying all I have out. See, I have every tool I possibly could use right now, except for a fish. That's the only piece I need to buy now. And then I'll uh, have everything to do wiring. And those aren't expensive and they're worth having anyway. Uh, but yep. yeah, I used to have three of those. Uh, we we just had a big duffel bag that we called the network bag, and we kept all that stuff <laughs> in it. And if I needed it, I just took it home. Or if one of the other guys who were working there needed it, we took it home because it's not like you're wearing anything out. I mean, using the crimpers uh, doesn't wear out the crimper. Uh, and so, you know, I'd go 
uh, buy a box of, of 25 N's and I, I networked my whole house back in Texas. I had cables running uh, all under the house. I had every room uh, gigabit, gigabit Ethernet running to it. So, uh, But now I'm just a dude. I don't have any of those tools or access to them anymore. <laughs> it kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, dropping back that far. I'm going to have to make f- friends with uh, the IT guys uh, where I work and, and see if I can get on their good side. But it was another, you know, it's I if, if anybody out there follows me on Twitter or Facebook, uh, a while back I was lamenting about the fact that for 15 years I, I worked against um, um, censorship on on internet access in, in schools. And, and, and it was one of, really the, one of the most progressive guys around in that our filter was very loose and now i'm here at this uh, hospital where not only are they a corporate entity but they're a healthcare entity with all sorts of government stuff everything is blocked and i I, it's like i need this thing to do my job i have to to go get this thing for my job but i can't do it because it's blocked and and you know it's it's really frustrating I, i i went from being the guy you know, the boss man, the wizard behind the curtain to just a dude in a cube. And it's, it's been a humbling experience for me. I bet. Yeah. I, I like being in the IT department because, you know, you can, you, if you want to do something, you can, as long as you know, it's not bad. So, <laughs> and even if it is bad, who's going to know? Yeah. Cause you're the guy I who mean, checks the logs, right? Yeah. It's like, That's what? Right. I don't see anything in the log. <laughs> That's why I like being who I am too. Yeah. <laughs> and was, also my in my life of things, besides being my own boss is nice and sucks, um, I've decided to bite the bullet and I'm going to leave my local co op and go to a big bang business for my ISP. Nice. Yeah, it'll be it, it's gonna I don't know how much of a headache this is gonna be because the house isn't wired for the big ISP guys, but I thought there was a federal mandate that said you had to share copper. So we'll see how well it goes. Huh. No, I don't think there is. So yeah, that's, Well, that's up in the sticks there might be because we were only one co-op for it was one telephone company for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden this upstart, this uh, my new local co-op started. And I don't think they had any. I think they were sharing lines for a long time. Hmm. Oh I, yeah, I, I I honestly don't know. Don't let me uh, don't let me uh, don't let me lie anymore. Well, no, I, I can make something up. I, I think it had uh, Aaron saying in the chat room that uh, since the Ma Bell bust up uh, when AT and T was uh, was brought under litigation for uh, what do they call it? Antitrust litigation. Yep. Right. Uh, there are, there are some things like that. Like you have to. Um, sell at wholesale prices something like that you can't deny other carriers uh there there are there are federal regs like that but i don't i don't know what they are i think yeah, I um either. i think that's true for phones but i don't think that's true for cable so so it, it'll be nice for you, well, you be, guys to get some uh some good bandwidth and we won't have to do this trading of files back and forth because your your skype sucks yeah well it, i'll be moving from Let's see. I'll be getting seven down and almost a full meg up. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> my new almost my new three uh, com uh, Comcast Xfinity is uh, twenty five down and five up. You suck. <laughs> I'm thinking about going to one down for an extra hundred dollars a year. Yeah, and and it's uh, what I'm paying for that uh, twenty five down and five up 
is like $4 a month more than I was paying back in Texas for the crappy connection that wouldn't even stay for a show. Yeah, I'll, I'll, when I make my move, we'll be getting, well, not only do we get a better internet, we'll be getting direct TV with Sunday ticket and unlimited long distance calls and local calls yeah. for $4 more than we're paying now. Yeah, wow. it's, it's nice to live in the city. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I lived in I, maybe a village, you could call it. I mean, the residents there called it a city, but it really wasn't. But here, well, compared to where I live, it was a city. <laughs> that's so. true. Yeah. And and compared to where I grew up, it was a metropolis. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's talk some Linux stuff, shall we? Sure. sure. I think that's a great idea. Since we've been going like 15 minutes here. Um, really? <laughs> uh, wow. So, uh, Fuduntu. See, I, I always uh, criticize you about how you say Ubuntu, uh, and now nobody knows how to say this one. So uh, I I can't say anything. So Fudunta, Fuduntu, Fuduntu. It's like what is it? Sudoku or Soduku? I, I can never remember which that is. Sudoku, I think it is. But anyway, this is one of those things. This is a mix-up of Ubuntu and Fedora, right? Yeah, Fedora and Ubuntu had a love child, and uh, <laughs> this is the product of their unholy union. Yeah, something like that. But it's still based heavily in Fedora. Right. And as I found out, based on my usage of it, it is like the uh, Mac experience without the Mac price, at least. That's how yeah, it seems that, to me. Yeah. yeah. But let's – are we going to hit the news today? Or are we going to scratch all those links or what are we going to do with them? Oh, no, we'll, we'll do that. I yeah. was just – you know, since it's a Linux show, I thought it might be a good idea to talk about Linux. All right, uh, all right. But, just uh, wondering what we're going to do because the first one is really near and dear to my heart. So uh, so naturally, I'll, we'll just skip over that one. So the second item <laughs> in, the, uh, in the show notes um, is Migo, the zombie of the Linux world. He won't die. Migo is the undead operating system. That's you know, um, I we reviewed it um, many, many, many shows ago. Uh, for those longtime listeners to the network. And I really enjoyed it Has a mobile OS. I thought it was really good. And, um, and it was like, apparently, they heard I was going to review it, and they couldn't handle the influx, so they killed it <laughs> like the day before I downloaded it. But it seems to be coming back uh, from the dead. There's, some, uh, there's actually some phone companies, hardware manufacturers that have... Uh, in contracts and it's going to be on some handsets apparently uh and so it's going to be a mobile os so if you don't like android or you don't like apple or any of the others we'll talk about later you know migo is uh is another option available for you it was it was mm. it's interesting i don't know that i don't know that there'll be uh that there's enough room or enough traction enough I mean, you know, obviously there's enough mobile subscribers, but I don't know if there's enough unhappy with Android and Apple for, and of course, you know, Microsoft is always right around the corner from releasing the next great phone right. that's going to kill everybody. Um, and well, they've been know, that Migo, way for, since mobile phones started. Migo has this weird sort of following that there's this group that just has nerdgasms anytime you say the word Migo uh, and, and, <laughs> and, you know, they won't let it die. Uh, but it's it's really I mean you've used it right you looked at it I've I've toyed with it that's I, so this is a, a completely uninformed opinion like most of them on this show. Um, Migo is very um, ten years ago 
in its design. It may be 20 years ago. Uh, it would have been a, a stellar operating system had it come out in 99. But now it's, it's it looks dated and, and clunky to me. But that seems to be the prevailing thing on hand on mobile devices. So I can see why they're, it's like we couldn't sell it on the desktop. So we're going to move it to the desk, to the phone. But, you know, Windows 8, uh, excuse, Windows Phone 8, Phone Operating 7, Thing. whatever it is. Windows crap. Um, so. Doesn't look very modern. You know, it's sort of a throwback in terms of design. Yeah, and you know, and that was what I said when I, whenever we talked about it on the show. Has a desktop OS, it was sorely lacking in many, many categories. But has a mobile on the go for a netbook or a tablet, I really liked it. You know, um, just because if I didn't bring that desktop paradigm, has a mobile OS, I thought it was cool. And um, I, I, the whole reason I had reviewed it is because it had support for my netbook. Um, but um, yeah. So I guess we can back up to number one on the list now. So, and so uh, uh, along with that, while we're talking about things that won't die, damn small Linux is getting a rebirth. You know, I was, uh, I was talking to someone at work about this. Uh, they're also a Linux user. And, you know, I was talking about how, you know, damn small Linux used to be a really great OS, but, you know, there hadn't been an update for it in four years. And I thought I told him, you know, look, it's pretty much dead. Don't even worry about it anymore. And then lo and behold, I come across this article that um, it's getting an update. It's still just just over 50 megs, and the hardware detection is kind of stuck in 2008. So it's great for the older hardware, you know, um, that you have out there. That is just there's nothing wrong with it. It's just old. So it looks like DSL is alive and well back from the dead one more time too many zombie linuxes we need to bring up break up the shotguns yeah, <laughs> yeah because the next one on the list is web os so, so palm comes out with web os blows everybody away they're like dude this os is awesome this tablet is amazing and palm says yeah but we're not gonna do anything with it and so then hp buys it and HP is like, we're going to put all our horses in the WebOS uh, camp. We're, we're throwing everything behind WebOS. This is where we're going to go. And then that CEO gets fired, and the next one comes in and says, yeah, everything he said, not so much. <laughs> so now we have yet another uh, zombie OS that just won't die. Apparently, HP took the Palm Division and they renamed it Graham, and it's uh, like a wholly owned subsidiary subsidi subsidiary of HP. So it's going to house the WebOS development, um, and there is apparently due out in the next couple of months, the first open source version of WebOS is supposed to be coming out. Um, but yeah, so HP has spun off... Uh, uh, all the palm related stuff. And I guess they're just trying to get rid of the name palm because, you know, they didn't update it. And what used to be the device in handheld computing, I guess now has like this, uh, musty stale air around it. So instead of capital capitalizing on the name palm, they're calling it Graham. I, I don't know. I don't know why they would call it Graham, but Graham is in charge of WebOS now. I was a passionate uh, Palm user 
years ago. I, I, w- I had graffiti memorized and I could do it left-handed. You know, I was, I was a, a palm wizard, uh, but they just refused to update. So then I moved to BlackBerry and it was amazing. And then they refused to update. And Would so- you please get an iPad? <laughs> please buy an iPhone. No. So they no. will refuse to update. Don't you understand? I'm trying to kill them. <laughs> Okay, so now we'll circle back. I've made uh, Chris bite his tongue long enough, and we'll talk about, I don't know, some inconsequential thing that might be happening on something. What is it, Chris? Um, Well, the Valve company, notorious for lots of first-person shooters, is bringing their Steam client to Linux. It is coming. It is in development. They have it working. Uh, Right now, they've They've also done some other tweaks to it to actually improve the Windows side of things as well. Uh, the first title that they're going to bring of their AAA titles to Linux is Left 4 Dead 2. Uh, this is a giant zombie killer. It's, you know, I think they, they have about probably 10,000 users playing a day or more. Um, but what they found when they were working on trying to get the Linux version of Left 4 Dead to work with OpenGL is that it was running even before they did any, um, code um, edits to make it work better in Linux uh, and to maximize their use of OpenGL, they found that just the stock rendering was running better than Windows. And so then they re- they went back and were digging through OpenGL to figure out why this was happening, and they actually found that they can make the Windows version better as well. So not only do, does the Linux start to get some of these nice AAA titles when uh, Valve decides to li- release it, um, we're also helping to improve the Windows side as well. So it's interesting. They also said something about that the uh, Direct 3D engine is old and dated and needs to. everybody needs to start doing stuff in OpenGL because it's so much quicker. Okay. Not being a gamer, that story meant nothing to me. I have never, uh, th- th- this may be sacrilege to say this, I've never even seen Steam. Not only have oh. I not used it, I've never even seen it loaded on a machine. <laughs> it it looks semi it looks a little bit like uh it's a storefront basically is what the steam engine is um it, but it works just like any of the other stores that you, you know, the iTunes store the um Ubuntu store it you know lists them all out and then you pick the games you want the the stuff that's really nice about it is once you buy it it's tied to your username so no matter where you go you can install that game on whatever computer you want without rebuying it so that was one of the big things that they do. Cool. Awesome. Uh, ne- a, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, there's another one that is similar to Steam that's in the Linux world as well. I think it's Tessera or Tessara or something like that. Um, they're doing open source games in the exact same way that Steam's doing it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when Steam hits the Linux shells. And just to make sure that uh, we uh, have enough operating systems to keep us happy gnome announces a gnome os due out uh in 2014 so that's some pretty long range planning there yeah you know because they were right on top of it with their community when they released gnome 3 and they did such a great job of energizing the linux world that they thought how can we capitalize on this momentum and they thought, I know, we'll take all the great work we did in GNOME 3, and we're going to put it into an OS. So, um, 
And for those of you who this is your first time listening to the show and you've never heard sarcasm before, <laughs> record that and listen to it. That's the best sarcasm I got. So uh, I, I don't understand why, you know, unless they're going to like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, so there's going to be a GNOME OS and uh, not to be outdone. There's also a Firefox OS that is coming out and they've even already ported, even though Firefox OS is only an alpha stage, they've already ported it over to Pi. So um, <laughs> lots of OS is coming out. The, uh, you know, I, don't, I think we seriously need to consider an element OP OS. You got no, Raspberry no. Pi in my Firefox. Well, you got Firefox in no my kidding. Raspberry Pi. It, yeah, it's it's all sorts of interesting stuff. Though Foxberry I will say pie. this much: I I kind of jumped off the KDE bandwagon and did jump over to GNOME three at work just to give it a whirl to see how well it works. Um, it's still kind of broken to me, but it's not as broken as it was when for the Beefy Miracle first came out. <laughs> so there has been some pretty great big movements on the GNOME side. Okay, we can't pass up Beefy Miracle without making a comment on it. Um, it's amazing. Uh, it's BeefyMiracle.com, right? Beefy uh, Miracle. Um, that yes. is, that's the new name of the latest Fedora. Fedora 17 or 27 or 426, 17. 17. Fedora 17 is called Beefy Miracle. And, you know, the the quick... And the dirty explanation is they've decided that... Don't say dirty, please. <laughs> dirty beef. Uh, they've decided that uh, operating system names have gotten so stupid that it doesn't really matter what you call your OS anymore. And they wanted to prove it by calling theirs Beefy Miracle. And that is the real name. That's not a made-up name. That's not a nickname. That's the real name of the product. Fedora 17 Beefy Miracle. I think it's awesome, personally. Um, when I first heard that they were going to release it as Beefy Miracle, I did the whole, what are they thinking? But this has got to be the best release ever. It's so funny to look at someone and say, yeah, I'm running Beefy Miracle. And the looks you get, are there? it's 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 worth its weight in gold. <laughs> And it's huge. <laughs> Sorry. And they've created, yeah, the double entendre. You know, it took me hours to download beef that big. Um, but the uh, they even have a whole web page, like the history of the beefy miracle. It's like this this sausage with a personality. It's my beefy uh, miracle yep. runs faster than yours. <laughs> it's not the size of the sausage. It's the power of the processor. Uh, something like that. But what makes me fun? What what really makes me wonder though is what it's going to be for Fedora 18. Because remember the way that Fedora does their naming schemes, it has to tie back to Beefy Miracle. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Fecal fantasy. In uh, so many ways. <laughs> Skid Mark OS. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this this started off downhill and has actually gone even lower. Uh, so there we go. Now, when beefy when beefy miracle runs its course, you get the skin mark OS. <laughs> I mean, you. there's your tagline. <laughs> and we have fallen into the yeah, gutter. The I need to register mask. that domain. <laughs> um, and so. Here's something that I, I will uh, say that uh, <laughs> is interesting just because it's so typical, and that is 
Android malware has gone, uh, has increased 300% in recent months. Oh my gosh, we're all going to die. Android malware is just going crazy. And that's why I I thought this story was a perfect one to do this. Um, for those of you, um, and all these links will be in the show notes, PC World release article um has Android malware tripled in recent months, and because uh, Kaspersky, yeah, Kaspersky. I for whatever reason I just can't say that Kaspersky. They released um, a press release saying that um, in the in the second quarter 2012 there was over a hundred and or like fourteen thousand nine hundred new malicious programs, um, but that is. 14,900 unique samples. And if you had a code base with a capital A and another with a lower A, that would like be a little different sample. Um, but anyway, the whole thing is the headline was just to like, you know, grab shock value. Um, F secure, they released it and talked about how, um, no, we didn't see 14,900. We saw, um, more like 40. And, uh, 19 of 40 were new families and the other 21 were like variants. So it's like, technically you could say there was that much, but again, and it's just, I just put this link in here to back up what you said before. If all you ever talking about is triple the size and the 300, you know, if there aren't any hard numbers underneath it and not an explanation of what those numbers are, you don't, you know, see the headline go read the story but don't just say oh my gosh a 300 you know three times as much malware in the android market well no not really um so anyway i i don't want to just sit here and read the article over the and oh, we don't watch everyone it else can, yeah everyone else can read it but uh the, anyway it's, it's just it's a a crop of stories it's not one story um and i don't know I can't even come up with the reason for it. You know, maybe it's, uh, you could say it's anti-competitive. Maybe it's Apple spreading these things because they're afraid of Android. There's all kinds of conspiracy theory reasons you could come up with. But really, I think it's just the the state of what we call journalism in the world today. is the Sensationalism yeah, sells. The, the bigger the headline, the more clicks you're going to get on your article. And that's okay. You can recant the entire headline in the seventh paragraph of your article. Uh, and that's fine, and that's that's considered acceptable. And so there's this whole, I mean, if you Google Android malware or Android spyware or Android botnet, you're going to find thousands of of references to one study. First off, it's it's not the same story. I mean, it's it's not different stories. It's it's all references to the same story, uh, all taken out of a different context, and and it's all BS. It just doesn't make sense. That's my story. Yeah. I'm sticking to it. I've I've noticed that too with a lot of stories, even even the ones for Windows and Linux, and every they, they all seem like there's a couple of of unique articles, and then it's just an explosion of copycats, and right. it's it's like why not have some real juice to your articles instead of highlighting someone else's? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute! Don't real, mix- go ahead, real journalism? <laughs> what are you talking about? This is the internet. Yeah, don't mistake this as Android fanboyism. I, uh, you know, I do like Android, but I would be just as um, uh, disgusted by this, and I am just as disgusted by this about any other topic. Uh, you know, uh, what was it, Sun Suntan Mom? What would they call her? 
Uh, anyway, the, the it was a Facebook meme for a while and all sorts of bad reporting. But the only reason it comes up here is because it's tangentially related to Linux. Right. Right. Anyway, um, any of those others you guys want to make sure we hit before we move on? Otherwise, I'm going to skip to the uh, review. Well, let's, uh, I wanted to just talk about Thailand's uh, distributing 800,000 Android tablets to their students. Right. I just thought it was a, a cool initiative that their government did. Kind of, they're kind of it's they're not doing one computer per child it's one tablet per child and uh so the government plans to hand out eight hundred thousand tablets free of charge to students this year and then the students will be allowed to take the devices home as part of the program i thought wow that's pretty cool and you know and so they're android based um so more linux cred there um i just wanted to mention it i thought it was a cool story it says it here cool. that their seven-inch tablet, the government is buying them for eighty-one dollars a piece. It's a wow. one point two gig ARM processor, uh, Cortex A8, so it's, it's it's a real processor. Gig of RAM, eight gigs of storage, um, and it re- reportedly runs ice cream sandwich, not Beefy Miracle. Uh, it's got yeah. Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And, probably port Beefy Miracle to it. So um, two cameras and a USB port. So uh, that's a you know, I, I'm still not big on tablets as the only computing device, but you know, in a situation where it's it's all you got, um, you know, I can I can certainly get behind it. Well, and think about how much does that tablet cost versus how much do textbooks cost? If you were going to buy, you know, because you don't realize behind the scenes how much money schools spend on textbooks. Well, you can buy a tablet. And then they can have that. They can get updates to it. But in addition, they also have access to the internet and lots of other utilities. So, pretty cool. Um, so anyway, props the only to thing uh, I, I, the only thing I'm going to say is I hope their infrastructure for those schools are ready for all those tablets. Right, because it is Wi-Fi, so they've got to make sure yep. that they have that infrastructure in place. Right. Uh, so yeah. yeah. That, um, High school right now is infrastructure. No one's listening, but we'll see. <laughs> okay, guys, I have not looked at this thing. I haven't had time to to do anything, so I'm going to be the uh, uh, uninformed, unwashed masses while you educate me on Fuduntu. Uh, so, guys, tell me about it. Uh, first off, who who brought this up? Whose idea was it to look at this? That would be yours. Seth. All right, Seth. My, it was mine. They both pointed at each other. They literally both pointed at each other. That was awesome. <laughs> so, uh, was it mine? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, you originally brought it up. Um, I can start it because I, I do have a virtual machine running on it. Do you have it right there too, Seth? Yeah, I actually um, I have this uh, computer that I'm trying to sell, so I swapped the hard drive and then I loaded it fresh on the hard drive. And uh, when I turned, you know, when I got it booted and everything, I used PinDrive Linux, which I have fallen in love with that app. Uh, love me some PinDrive Linux and installed it on here. It runs great, man. It detected my. I didn't have to like load any type of drivers to get it to work. Uh, do you hear us, Microsoft? It just works straight out of the box and. Um, like I say, when I got it done, it reminds me of the Mac OS. You got your little dock at the bottom and your thing up at the top to do all the drop downs. So you get the Mac experience without the Mac price tag. Um, so consequently, my first impression was I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> because I really, I, I don't think 
differently the same way Apple thinks differently. Um, so I have to stop and figure out how to do stuff in, in Mac or, um, Fedora and Ubuntu's love child. However, we shall decide to say that. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Um, well, when I, when I ran the thing, uh, I was first thing I ran the disc and I immediately saw the Fedora installer and it was like, Oh, I know this. And I just breezed through it. Um, the installer for a unwashed masses type person, uh, isn't very, it's straightforward. The only part that might give anybody a little bit of a hiccup and, and kind of a worry is when they go to the partitioning. Um, the both Fedora and Fedunt 2 and anybody who's using the Anaconda installer, that that partitioning screen is a little spooky if you don't know what you're looking at. Um, but I just accepted the defaults and said use the whole drive, and it worked great. Um, it's running a it took approximately on uh, my virtual machine, oh, maybe 25 minutes to install the whole thing. Um, but I was heavily active on the machine already, so that might be part of it. But it was a really straightforward install. Um, I was really kind of shocked because I didn't look at the screenshots before I installed it um, to see GNOME 2.3 too. Uh, I, I just kind of surprised me that they would go with a the older gnome when everyone else is changing to unity or gnome three shell. Well, it surprised you. They didn't, they went with the less sucky gnome. Well, I'm not, I don't agree with the fact that gnome three sucks completely. Um, it's a change and change is painful. I still think it's broken, but, uh, it's just amazing that they went back to the gnome 2.32 with a lot of the packages not written for gnome 2.32 anymore. So yeah, it, there alleged- must be a heavy, this alleged love child is using an, uh, a uh, windowing system that neither of the parents are using. Exactly. Um, uh, it's a mutant. <laughs> it's a mutant. <laughs> mutant spawn. But like I said, it's it surprises me. They must be doing a lot of rewriting of code on the in the Fiduntu uh, developers to get a lot of these programs to run on this older window manager. So which uh, that brings up the the question: Which OS is it binary compatible with, or is it both? Fedora. Okay. It is an RPM based system. Okay, so it's uh, uh, Yum and and all that yep. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they by default they have licensing for Flash and all the the MP3 codecs. Um, I don't know if they're correct licensing but they do say they're <laughs> licensed and they do have it built into the system when you install it they don't ask they just there so if you're trying to be a purist this isn't for you um also in the installer screen or in the uh the the uh pa- the package manager you can install your uh, nvidia packages without adding a third party which is kind of cool um that that made me happy to see that I wish a lot more places would have that built in so you don't have to add a third party. Uh, you hear me, Fedora? What kind of uh, software installation does it have, like a software center, a store, or something like that, a control panel of some sort? It's the old school software center, or the Add Remove Software Wizard that Fedora has had for a long, long time, and they're just now moving away from. Um, it's no store. It's kludgy, but it works. So. 
yeah, I installed the 64-bit version um, because, you know, I just wanted to play with it, and I, I like it. You know, rather, um, it, it, like I say, it found my wireless network, all of that. The drivers were good. It detected it. Um, it has VLC. I don't really like Chromium, but, you know, that's the default, so I just went with it, and um, uh, it has, like, the Google Mail app and things like that. So it's it's a web-centric or a, a very web-aware OS, uh, modern in that respect. And even though it is GNOME 2.x, it's, it, it has a snappy modern feel to the way it looks. You know, it's not like you didn't go back to 2005 um, and, you know, something that looks as old as XP does, but it, it has a modern OS and, you know, you hover over the icons in the bottom and they start bouncing, which is the eye candy that end users seem to love. So, Yeah, um, it does have the Avant Window Manager dock. Uh, um, we've talked about that before, where it, it's the Mac OS taskbar at the bottom where all the tasks that are running stay down there. Um, the Chromium, the Google Mail app, Banshee, and VLC have a prominent place already down there. Um, they're pretty simple to add more to, and they add, um, they have all of the Avian extras uh, repositories already built in, so you can add even more dock widgets to it without too much of an issue. And it has the Jupyter power management interface, which I really like since I started playing with it on my Linux Mint. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's a way to get to your power management stuff really quick, and it's not buried in a bunch of different places like um, historically it has been in most Linux distros. Yeah, I really like that. I, I would like to see uh, the Jupyter power management system come to more operating systems in, in, in the, the Linux, Unix environments. It just seems to be a nice, simple way to get to everything. Yeah, um, and I think it will because, I mean, it was it's pretty new, so... All right. Uh, <laughs> Lull in the conversation there. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I'll bring up the fact that it does have the firewall set up automatically, just like Fedora does. Um, I would also reason to guess that since it does share so much in Fedora's history, that there's also going to be um, SE Linux enabled by default. Um, it does use the more current version of their firewall, where it does auto or dynamically reload when you change settings. So you don't have that lapse of firewall while it rewrites all, everything, uh, which is nice to see. Yeah, the first thing I did was uh, I turned off the firewall. So, uh... <laughs> And why is that, Seth? Well, you know, I was looking for, instead of looking at the top where your uh, network thing is, I was digging through all the menus trying to figure out how to add my wireless network, and I thought, well, you know, if this were a Windows machine, the firewall would be blocking my ability to use it, so I just turned it off. Um, and um, I just, I usually, I don't like running firewalls on my right. personal on OS, because, you know, I have it at my gateway device. And um, that's just, I'm, I'm, uh, I tempt fate like that, I guess. Are either of you guys using it in uh, on a machine that has the, uh, you know, Compiz, uh, barrel 3D desktop goodness with the spinning cube and all that. How is that performing for you, if so? Um, I don't have the spinning cube, but, you know, I can have the uh, the different um, windows open and it'll 
pop to them and stuff like that. And you go up, uh, I don't know. So it's, wow. Okay. I've just, I just started playing with them while uh, you asked me <laughs> that. So that's, uh, I'm just, I'm enamored by the pretty eye candy. It's shiny. The, the important thing, the things that people want to know is are wobbly windows there. Yes, they are wobbly. Okay, good, um, good. Almost excessively so. Um, <laughs> that's one of those yeah. things that's really bad design, but one that people like. Yeah, and and like I say, the the, the stuff on the dock bounces up and down. Boing, boing, boing. Yeah, that's that's so. the AWN dock. I don't like docks, uh, and everybody's moving to the dock. The the Windows Seven Taskbar, for all intents and purposes, is a dock, uh, and everybody seems to like docks, and I just I don't like them. I don't. I, I'm a fuddy-duddy in that way, I suppose. I don't mind a dock as long as you can control it without having to dump and in, jump into a whole bunch of hoops to get to the the nuts and bolts to what you have down there. Um, which is one of the reasons I like and dislike um, this particular window or dock bar. Um, it is. It's heavily functionable. It, you can add a whole bunch of things down there. But on the same note. I just want it to be a taskbar. So I, I'm a fuddy-duddy too, but I do like the fact that, like Windows 7, it just has the icon. You don't have the whole bar, which I like, because I, I have too many things running at once. I couldn't have a bunch of bars for all the things I have running. I would run out of room. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and one thing, I mean, it, it groups them so you don't have, like, a bunch of different chromiums down there. Um and it does a good job of getting out of the way and and coming back in. But yeah, I don't really care for the dock. I like having a taskbar. But man, that's I don't know. I guess it's just so last year. So. Looking at uh, Google Images, as I am at this particular moment, it looks like the default uh, visuals are fairly bland, just sort of a gray gradient with their logo sitting on the background. Yep. Um, are there any? Uh, included themes or icon packs that give it some eye candy i'm the wrong guy to ask for that I'd <laughs> well i mean <laughs> being that it's gnome you can go get anything i'm just wondering what they included with it yeah. um there's some there's a, a a big handful of different uh, um wind uh, backgrounds that are based in their themes so you have the the dark gray with the funny clover looking um background there really isn't. There's the typical themes that would come with GNOME 2.32. Uh, some of them are named uh, new, but a lot of them are just this typical GNOME 2.3 uh, themes with their names attached to them. Um, a lot of the, uh, when I went to the website after I installed this and looked at it with the, the little flashy button is on their main website that they show what your desktop could look like. I, I I love seeing those customized like that, but it'd be nice for them to give you a downloadable RPM or something that you can say, run this and your desktop will look like this particular snap wallpaper that somebody set up. Because there's a couple of them that some whoever designed them, they're really well laid out. And I really love the way they did them, but there's no, there's no explanation on how to get your desktop to look like that. And that's, I guess maybe that's just a pet peeve of mine about any desktop environment, Windows 8, Linux, Mac, whatever. Um, I like some of those themes. Let me get to them. Show me how to put them into my own dis my own laptop or my own desktop. Um, uh, I just – pet peeve of mine. 
All right. So uh, your one uh, scale of one to ten review of Fudun Two, Chris, go. I would have to say, um, for ease of use and, and functionality, I would give it a seven. For looks, I would say probably a f- six. Um, I don't know how well it would play with some of the customized, you know, like Fedora um, Fusion repository. So I can't say if it would be any higher than that. Uh, but it, all in all, it seems to make a good stable desktop if you're looking for something that isn't mainstream. Um, but also reading on their website, I wonder how long it's going to be around. It seems they're having funding issues. And uh, Miss Rhode Island, same question. Um, I would give it probably, I would probably give it an eight because it seems, it seems really good, but just, but it's not my preference. So in terms of how it looks, I would probably give it like a four or five just in terms of preferences, but it seems solid and it seems capable and they put effort into the pretty and the polish, which we used to hammer on every time about how, you know, nobody in the Linux community did that. Well, they listen to us and I, for one, am glad to see they do that. I just, I, I still have nightmares about my Mac OS experience. And so <laughs> this brought those up. So uh, at least it's not orange and purple. That is true. <laughs> yeah. I will give them that, you know, the, the, the crypt, the polish and everything is good. Um, I just, I worry how long they're going to be around. That's my, that's my only worry about recommending, um, for them to, other than the name's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, you struggle with Ubuntu as well. Ah. Uh, so, uh, like, like their lumpet. Overall, what you're saying is as far as Ubuntu goes, uh, use Mint. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Unless this strikes your fancy. It is solid and capable, but I didn't like the direction they went, but they seem to do it pretty good. So, I will stick to Mint. I'm not switching to. Fedantu, ooh ooh ooh. I've been so long in the uh, the Debian world, the apt-get world. I, I would be a bit lost uh, back in the in the RPM world. I mean, that, that was where I learned everything. That was my my birthing place, my 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 childhood home in terms of Linux. But I've been away for so long. I I, I think it would be odd for me to be back in that world. See, and I've been in Fedora and the RPM world for so long. It's weird when I go back or when I change to a Debian install or a Debian-based in- a computer. Um, it, it doesn't really make you lost, but it, it does catch you in a t- once in a while when you're trying to update a package. The nice thing, though, is you can add YUM and RPM to a Debian box, and you can add apt-get to a, to a, a, a Fedora-based box, so you can have the best of both worlds. Yep. You can, you can. Linux is all Hannah Montana. <laughs> Hannah Montana. I'm sorry. Really? We're going there? I'm sorry. It's uh, I did not watch the show very often, but you know, when you're around young people, you can't get away from it sometimes. But just that, I don't even know the song. I just know that it's the best of both worlds. Oh, uh, okay. You know, and so that just pops in. every time you said that. It's just like I could just hear. Miley Cyrus singing that. So thank you, Mark, for the Seth's random quote of the week is it's all <laughs> Hannah Montana. I think I'm going to start using it. Any time somebody says they like something, like, yeah, that's all Hannah Montana. That's my, that's my new uh, catchphrase. I like it. 
This cool. show, we're all Hannah Montana. <laughs> Something like that, I guess. All right, guys. So uh, moving on from that, what is our uh, command line tip of the week, Mr. Command Line Godfather? Well, I've been using a lot of um, commands to run binary executables. So it really isn't a command. It's more of a thing to remember how to run those bins and those commands that you need to do to install stuff. Um, like, example, fog. I've had to rebuild my fog install. The um, old dot slash. Dot slash in the the file name ex- that's an executable or sh if it's an sh file. Um, I had a my helper for the summer forgot how to do that and it took me twenty minutes to explain. It's just a dot slash. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just a dot slash and it yeah it was a pain but yeah. Um, remember that it's dot slash your the file name or sh in the file name. Slash dot is a web bro- uh, website. Dot slash is the way to make things happen. That's right. <laughs> what is slash dot anyway? I mean, I, other than a website, but I mean, what what is it? What does it mean? Why why is it there? I don't I don't know why they use that as their name. Slash dot. I, I don't know either. Maybe they'll come on and tell us. Yeah, I'll get to right to work on that one. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Anderson, pull yourself away from the matrix and tell us what your uh, link of the week or your end user tip of the week is. Well, this is something I had to use a couple of times over the last week because um, it's a link to several different antivirus bootable CDs. You can download an ISO and burn it to a CD and boot your computer. If you have a Windows device probably with a rootkit virus or two or more, and um, you are unable to beat it from within the Windows OS, um, you can uh, boot to an emergency rescue CD. And I highly recommend Kaspersky because... It was like the fifth one I tried on this list, and it was the first one that got rid of it um, and got rid of them both. And um, But anyway, so if you need an emergency rescue CD, an antivirus rescue CD, here's a link of several to choose from. I highly recommend Kaspersky because it got the job done. They make some really good uh, tools. I ha- I'm almost wanting to give their AV a try as my regular thing, but... Um, they, they seem to make really good tools. And uh, I, I made some money this past week removing some viruses. Um, so, yay. Thank you, Kaspersky, for helping me. Yes, making money is always a good thing. Yes. Yeah, and they, they do have a really good bootables. Um, I have that in my toolkit. Uh, funny thing, though, is it runs a Linux. It's a Linux boot up with uh, KDE. So it's kind of an interesting thing that they went that way. Yeah. That's awfully heavy to use KDE. Yeah, I really was surprised to see KDE the first time I booted it up. I was expecting, you know, something like uh, XFCE or LXDE, but yeah, to see KDE was kind of surprising. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, and actually it was just, it was pretty much a full-fledged Linux distro. You could get on and do stuff while the scan was running if you wanted to, so... Um, I didn't do <laughs> so that you can play Sudoku, Sudoku while you're waiting for the scan, or you can read slash dots. You just bring it all back right. into the rest of the show. There you go. Uh, okay, guys. Uh, the only thing I have left to say is we need your feedback, ladies and gentlemen. It's good for us to be back. It's it's guys. It was great to be back with you, uh, doing this thing that I love uh, once more. 
you know, as I mentioned earlier in the show, it was a whole new career that I moved into. I'm doing new things. But in the end, this is the career that I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to retire as a podcaster. I don't want to retire as an IT guy or, or working in the health field or working in education. I want to work for you. Um, and the way that I can best do that is for you to let me know how we're doing. Uh, I did get a lot of uh, feedback during the break. You know, people, you know, checking in, saying, "Hey, we hope you're okay. We're missing you." And I appreciate that. That's awesome stuff. Uh, we're glad to be back, and um, I'm going to make every effort to make sure that we don't miss uh, shows again. Uh, we went for like a whole year on this show, two years on the Tightwad Tech, without ever missing an episode, and then bam, I took two months off. So <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, but, uh, so I need you to, uh, give us topics to keep us in, in the, in the news, in the know, uh, what do you guys want us to talk about? What are some, uh, some OSs you'd like us to review? Uh, anything let us know, because as we've said, uh, we ran out of good ideas a long time ago and we're completely <laughs> dependent on you now to provide us with show content. So keep them coming and you can do that over at elementop.com. You can go to the uh, forum section and, and leave us a note there. You can, uh, there's a contact us button at the top. If you're an email kind of guy, you can always email us at EDL for everyday Linux at elementop.com. That email goes to the three of us and we will read it and respond to it. Uh, you can also find us on the Twitters and the Facebook element OP, or if you're a phone guy and you just have to say it, you can call five, five, nine, I am Opie and uh, leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the air. I wanted to say uh, I, I'm looking, having to get new Georgia license plates, obviously, since I now live here. If they don't uh, cost too much, I'm going to have to see that uh, Georgia has seven characters on their license plates. Texas was only six. So I'm going to see if I can get I am Opie as my license plate. Cool. There you go. So, yeah, hey, I, I just wanted to say I added uh, a forum thread um, in our forums where I took all of my links and I put them together. So if you you don't have to search through all the individual archives now, you can go there. And because I know how much the fans love the awesome links I bring to the show. And to answer your slash dot question, Mark, slash dot is an intentionally obnoxious URL. When Rob registered the domain http colon slash 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 dot dot org, he wanted a URL that was confusing when read aloud. So that's what it means. <laughs> that's straight off of their fact page. That's yep. awesome. <laughs> so you're already slashing and dotting, so we'll just add another slash dot in there. That's funny. That's funny. That is funny. That he, he would fit right along with the beefy miracle guys. Just doing it just to be obnoxious. Yep. Yes. I think we should do something to be just obnoxious, but I don't know what We do it be. every week. We show up. Uh, it's, it's called uh, Everyday Linux. <laughs> All right, guys. It's been great to be with you, and uh, I'm going to say that wraps it up. And so that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. Everyday Linux.